Amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But under the right circumstances, a producer could make more money with a flop than he could with a hit. Hmm. Yes, it's quite possible. Welcome to the NFC Least Show, the only show keeping the NFC East honest. Williams, how are you doing? I'm chilling, man. Just uh, another another fun week, really. A lot of wins this week. A lot of wins. One uh, one loss. <laughs> the one we're opening who could, up with. Who could that be? Heeny, <laughs> meeny, miny, moe. Which of these teams <laughs> could have possibly threw up an L this past week? It's the Giants. The Giants lost against the Dolphins. <laughs> That's right. Um, I feel bad for picking the Giants in retrospect, but in my defense... I did think Daniel Jones was going to play. We recorded yeah. that episode before the extent of his neck injury was really known and it snowballed. Um, halfway through the week, it was announced, I think, that uh, Mike Glennon was going to start in place of Daniel Jones. Glennon gets to start. And really, for the first half of that game, it's a bit of a defensive struggle again, a little bit evocative of the Eagles game. But still, that means that the Giants offense basically didn't show up and that feels yeah. like the story again just possibly worse and more inept with mike glennon under center and not daniel jones yeah i mean just another another really not not even painful but just like hard to watch painful to watch because there was never really a moment where you felt like the giants offense was going to figure it out and lead them to a victory, which was especially frustrating because the Giants' defense remains like completely locked in and ready to go. So it's it's deja vu all over again. Uh, I don't really have a ton of X's and O's breakdowns because I don't even know the Giants' offense is so busted that it's hard to. I mean, literally, limit. literally the second week of a new offensive coordinator that we knew was going to need a couple weeks to like settle in, figure out what, what works in his philosophy with his guys, et cetera, you know, then yeah. get thrown a curveball of like, Hey, make, make putty, make a statue out of Mike Lennon putty, you know? Right. And it's like, what the hell is Freddie kitchen supposed to do in that situation? <laughs> you know? I, I th- yeah, for sure. I, I think it's, Freddie Kitchens has to have the offensive line that he's given and then put Mike Glennon behind that offensive line is really just a, a slap in the face to to anybody who grew up, as I'm sure Freddie Kitchens did, loving football and loving offenses and designing them. But, uh, you know, you work with what you got. I do think this isn't really – this feels like a week five Eagles situation, but like – Glennon did throw the ball 44 times and the Giants actually ran the ball with some success uh, on 17 attempts. I get it's not like they were wildly successful on the ground, but they were averaging over four per carry. Um, But I just don't think anytime we were asking Glennon to drop back behind that line 44 times, it's a recipe for catastrophe. I understand they were down for most of the game, but it just... It's not like they were down by multiple scores. I would have liked to I – I just think making him drop back that often, the downsides far outweigh the upsides of that sort of situation. And it would have been it would have been nice to just like 
kind of like what Belichick did the other day, although the Giants are not the Patriots by any stretch of the imaginations. Would have been cool to just kind of lean into the run and be like, we're just going to do this until like you prove you can stop us a lot because it's really the only way we think we can generate any kind of offense. Yep. Uh, that's the key takeaway for me. The Giants are offensive to anyone who has grown up enjoying football. <laughs> <laughs> they are, uh, it's, I think the really, the really tough thing for Giants fans is just that like, this is so par for the course over the last five years. Yeah. And now I actually saw this. This was not my original thought, but I did see this online somewhere that like the Giants had two objectives coming into the season. The one was to like actually win more games and look like a competent football team. I think we can safely say that's going to be a failure. Yep. The second one was to give Kenny Galladay his first touchdown of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) I just, I just imagined kitchens like being like, we can't, how we're going to, how we're going to get Kenny his touchdown. If we run the ball, we can't do that. Um, yeah, Kenny Galladay, a whopping uh, five targets, got three receptions for like 40 yards. Great stuff. But uh, <laughs> the second thing here was that um, you really wanted to find out what Daniel Jones was and if he was the guy or not. And I still think nobody knows. It's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible how this guy has 30 starts or so. And we're all just like, he could be like really bad. There's like a chance yeah. that he's really bad. He could also be like pretty good. Uh, but yeah. Um, and you know, you, you call it out, you call that a really interesting point in the show notes as well, where it's like, I don't want to, I think the giants already had the worst roster top to bottom in the division starting the year healthy, at least yeah. maybe, maybe you could say like the most unknowns, right? Like maybe they, they, they maybe, had the worst roster. Yeah. They did. I was just saying making the optimistic case, you know, <laughs> yeah. like at the very best, they had the most unknowns coming into the year at the very worst. They had the worst. Right. But on top of that, they've had more injuries than any other team, in the division. Yeah. In the starters this year. And yes. it's just as creating this, awful disjointed messy situation it's it's like not it's not it's like not even fun bad (laughs) yeah right it's really like there would be a world where like if you were down a lot of starters and the backups like really rally and figure it out and you still scraped some wins where you're feeling pretty good about it but the giants like there's never a week where you're like, oh my god, like Tay Crowder really like filled Blake Martinez's shoes yeah. this week. You're like, at best, and this is not a shot against Tay Crowder. He's literally was the Mister Irrelevant. Like he's doing great for where he was drafted and stuff, but it's just like, you know, take like we're scraping by, yeah. you know, like with all these. It, backups. It's really one of these things. It reminds me a bit of you know the Eagles and Fitz and Spurs over the past two years before this year with their injury problems, where it's like. The coaches didn't really understood what they had with the starters yep. in, and then backups just make that problem exponentially more complicated. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> yeah. Like they didn't even know what was working with the with the projected first string, and then all of a yep. sudden, like half half of the starting eleven needed to be turned over for whatever reason. 
Yeah, for sure. I think the Giants are in a similar spot. The only difference is the Giants have been there for like five straight years now. So it's been a common. It's not. It's not all injuries to blame for the Giants, but it's definitely exacerbating the confusion about like what they should do next. Yeah. Chargers next. Yeah, we got to talk. I don't really want to talk about the Chargers. I think they're going to get blown out again. Yeah. yeah. Chargers looked good last week. I don't yeah. know if you caught any of they that. They bounced back. Um, they had a bit of a mid-season yeah. lull, but they look they look good now. They're they're a weird team. I think yeah. they're probably just like what a modern like slightly above average NFL team looks like, you know. Yeah. Um but the Giants are in all likelihood starting Jake Fromm next yeah. week, which Jake is just Fromm, State Farm. It's Uh yeah. Actual white supremacist. I'm trying to think of a khakis joke, but I can't. Yeah. Actual white supremacist, Jake Fromm. (laughs) Yep. You can look it up. It's not slander. Uh, It's real. And it just, that that really kind of demands, like, why? Why him? You know, like, any any quarterback is going to lose on Sunday. So why did you pick up this one? You know? You couldn't pick up a guy with at least, like, a, a higher character or something. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to sink down the rabbit hole too yeah, far. I don't wanna... <laughs> all gonna, all I'm going to say is like, just, you sh- just should have gone with yeah. like I, whoever, you know, why, why are we doing this? Yeah. It just makes it even weirder. <sighs> anyway. Uh, yeah. Giants get blown out uh, 38 to, I'll give them 13 because there's going to be some garbage time. They're going to get – actually, no, you know, no, that, that's wrong. No, I don't think there will be garbage the, time. The, the, <laughs> the, the defense is too good. The defense is really fighting, and they deserve a lot of praise. Um, I think they're going to get beat like 24 to 13. I was going to say, uh, on the on the scores you gave, I think 13 is being too generous for the offense. That would be their highest point total yeah. in the past three weeks. It, <laughs> oh, my God. That's so <laughs> – that's so depressing. <laughs> With Jake Fromm, you know, against like a pretty good Chargers defense. So yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's more like twenty-seven to six. Like I think I think twenty-four to twenty-seven is a Giants defense blowout. You know, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm realizing that the Giants haven't scored thirty points all year, which is incredible. Yet you picked them to score That's... thirty against the Eagles. You were. <laughs> You know, that was my kitchen's my kitchen's <laughs> optimism. It's a bummer. Uh all right. Let's talk about Eagles Jets. Minshew Mania, yeah. baby. Love it. I was this was the most fun I've had in a very long time watching the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, they looked like um they looked like they had an identity for sure. Yeah. Um a little bit of quarterback controversy afterwards coming on off the heels of Hertz laying a turd against the Giants and then Minshew following it up. I have a theory that I was texting you about on game day where I do think that if the jury was out on Hertz and he was consensus the guy moving forward, he starts this game. I don't think that his injury was uh, existential. And I think that if it was the Eagles are not out of the playoff race. And if you really believe in your playoff chances and the quarterback you have with like bruises and scrapes, injuries and soreness, yep. your starting quarterback plays through that. 
Yep. So I think Eagles sure. saw an opportunity to see what they had in Minshew in like a relatively low stakes game because they were playing the Jets and decided to play it cautious with Hurts. And yep. Minshew rewarded them. I don't think, listen, I don't think that this means you bench Hurts. Like, I think all that talk is ridiculous. I think that moving forward, uh, I think on principle, I liked what Sirianni had to say. On principle, he's not going to bench a quarterback because he was injured, right? But I think if you're the yeah. Eagles, I think the fair assessment to say is that we have two high-quality second-string quarterbacks right now that have different skill sets. Minshew has a little bit better arm. Hurts has better legs. And yep. it's clear that Sirianni can draw up a decent game plan for either of them. And I think that if Hurts continues to be Giants Hurts down the stretch, especially in these division games, maybe the hot seat gets a little bit hotter. But I think coming off this bye week, I think it's Hurts game against Washington. And if he looks more like the Hurts of like the uh, the Lions game stretch yeah, of the season, right. he's a starter for the rest of the year. <clears throat> and that's really the tough that's the thing to keep in mind for me is, yes, Minshew looked great. I think that Minshew is a better natural fit for the Eagles offense because the Eagles already have a wealth of running talent. Yeah. You know, Hertz is kind of just offers a redundancy there. Um, That's That was my thing about this, this uh, starting Minshew. And I'm happy that he validated my take and, you know, uh, played this well but going into it there's this weird thought out there that like because Hertz is a running quarterback he benefits the running game but when I look at the Eagles offense I see a really strong offensive line that elevates runners regardless of who's running the ball yeah so I think it's it's less having to do with Hertz and his like misdirection <laughs> opening up more space for the running backs I just think we've got a great offensive line this year and it allows Hertz to be efficient when he chooses to break the pocket and more importantly, we have a lot of above average running backs that also benefit very much from our athletic, flexible offensive line. For sure. And I don't think you need a running quarterback to do that. So having a little bit of that extra dimension in the passing game against the Jets, I think really made the offense look good. Now, there's two caveats. One is it was the Jets. And also, I don't think that I don't think that Hurts looks as bad as he did against the Giants against this Jets team either. So I don't want to give too much credit to Minshew, but it's yes. good to know that we know what we have, what we have in him, which is like a decent above average second string fringe first string guy. Yeah. Um, I think that's right. I was kind of mentioned the Jets and how you don't want to take one game against a bad team too seriously, yep. even though they took care of business. Eagles defense looks pretty good. Zach Wilson, man, I don't know. I just I, don't know. I was a little bit concerned by the defense in the first quarter, though. It was a, it was a, yeah, it was a yeah. boat race for the first half. In a, in a, with two bad teams, like <laughs> I, I think the only difference they, going into yeah. halftime were the uh, missed extra points and like the one sack on third down, which forced the Jets to punt that the Eagles right. defense got. Um, but yeah, Wilson. Wilson became the Wilson that Wilson has been in the second half and looked really bad. It wasn't, it wasn't pretty. 
Yeah, I I just I thought he was supposed to be like mobile. You know, I thought that was kind of like his. I don't he, know. I thought he had not, a little bit of legs, but I think he's showing some escapability in the pocket. But I think his problem is he still tries to push the ball downfield, and he's just very right. erratic when he does that. Yeah, yeah. He just needs to accept his limitations. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think. I don't really have a ton else to say about this game. I feel like it was a good. It was it was kind of the way the Eagles have won all year when they've won. Um, except with Gardner Minshew at the helm. I will say, Jalen Rager, man, I just don't know. I just don't know. That was awful. Um, the the one punt return where he just threw his. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> he, I think, I mean, this is a very, this is like a very Philadelphia thing. I think he's approaching Markel Fultz levels of like in his own head yeah. because he's so aware of the criticism, which I get. Like playing in Philadelphia, fact of the matter is it's not like playing in Oklahoma or something like the people are they they are the fans are not your friends most of the time yeah you know they'll they'll definitely be on you and when you're young and you're on social media and you're just seeing this stuff I get why like it you know the pressure builds and some guys can handle that smoothly and some guys just can't and right now I do I'm starting to I'm starting to get into the Evan Ingram pity phase for Jalen Rager it's not where you want to be <laughs> If you're Jalen Rager, it's, but yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm starting to think that the only players to ever enjoy playing in Philadelphia were the members of the 2004 Eagles, the 2007 Phillies and the 2017 yeah, Eagles. Right. <laughs> and even some of, even some of the Phillies, like, did they like, did J roll really enjoy playing in Philadelphia? <laughs> Did Cole That's Hamels scary. like? I, I don't know if they really loved playing in Philly. Uh, I hear you, man. I I don't know. I I do think Philly needs to get over its whole like tough love thing sometimes. I, I, I do personally, love it. Yeah. I love it as a fan, but like, it's it increasingly happens, toxic. Yeah, in an <laughs> it era so fast. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're given like no grace period between yeah. before they're on your ass. Like yeah. Jalen Rager's like literally like I think like 22 years old. You know, like I saw a post on the Eagles subreddit, like disappointed in Devonte Smith not <laughs> yeah, not getting right. enough targets this year. Like or like you like he should yeah, be I getting don't... ten. Like you know, all that kind of stuff, right? It's like yeah. Like you get weird criticism like that, even when you're clearly one of the best players <laughs> on right. the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I I don't know. That's in my, this era of mental health awareness. I think the Philadelphia toughness has fallen increasingly out of fashion. Yeah, with the players. Yeah, That's I mean, I think I thesis. think that there's a bit of a balance that needs to be struck. To be honest with you, I think that. Of of the players in recent Philly history that has had a relationship with the fans, like a notable relationship with the fans. Yeah. The one I would say where Philly was probably in the right, and I think we've been more in the right, more in the not with most of the Sixers was the Fultz situation. I think that was like yeah. one where this is now Sixers talk, but I'm saying like uh 
you heard a lot of national media stories about how toxic it was, but I think they were just mapping prior prior narratives onto a situation when in reality, Fultz himself has come out recently and said, Philly loved me. I appreciated it. But like, I didn't even know what the hell was going on with my yeah. arm and I was out of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, I'll give Philly credit for that, but I, I don't know. Uh, with the Eagles, especially, it feels like players sometimes have a ridiculously short leash and it, I, I do think it affects their confidence. Right. I, and I think it sucks yeah. that like, yeah, maybe this this guy wouldn't be Justin Jefferson, but he could have been a playable wide receiver, and it feels yeah, like we're like right. breaking him mentally game by game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's pressing. He's pressing so hard right now. I think. Yeah. I think a bye week will do him some good. Yeah, you know, just go out there, chill. We'll see. So yeah, Eagles have a bye, and we have a big divisional game coming up. The first of the mini NFC East tournament games to end the season. Yes. Uh, Cowboys, Washington. I'm excited oh, yeah. for this one. Let's talk a bit about this. Is the games. game of the year yeah. to this point? Yeah, I almost wish it was happening on Thanksgiving, like it was ha- like it happened last year. That, that would be fun. so nice. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it is tough. Like it's a little earlier in the season, and yeah. therefore maybe the stakes are no- lower. But I agree, it would have been it would have been fun. Um, but yeah, let's talk a bit about uh their games last week. I I think probably Washington has a little bit more to talk about. So it just feels like the Cowboys, we kind of knew the Saints were bad and we're on a, we're on a slide and the Cowboys just kind of took care of business. Um, I feel like the Cowboys are now finally rounding out to a point in their season where they're really going to be tested. We've been saying this refrain for like the past feels like since the beginning of the season where it's like, yeah, they look good. Yeah, literally, literally the whole time. Yeah. Like, yeah, they look good, but like, are they legit? You know, and nothing has moved the needle for us, I think, so far this year. Right. I don't even think a game beating the hapless Saints uh, really tells a story. It's good to see that they can bounce back um, after a tough loss and win. Right. But these divisional games and the game against Arizona coming up in a few weeks, I feel like is like if they if they leave this stretch like with one loss, I may be on the uh, the Cowboys playoff train. But if there's something like, if they lose two or three, including some divisional games, especially to Washington. Yeah. I don't know, man. You know? There's also that sneaky, sneaky little trap game against the Giants in New York on the 19th. Yeah. I'm, I wish I were joking, but like we saw the Eagles flub it yeah. last week. It's the easiest game to overlook on their schedule. And it is one where the Giants' defense is tough enough that if something weird happens, it's going to be a dogfight. Like, it's not – I don't have faith in this in the Cowboys team right now. Yeah, I, could, I could easily see the Giants' defense holding, to, holding the Cowboys to 10 to 13 points. Right. One, one pick six or something, yeah. like, it's right there. Yeah. So, don't um, want to get too far ahead, but I, yeah, I, I need mean, to see more still. Any, I mean, anything more from the Saints game that you want to call out? Yeah, I think um, I have a couple things. They're all kind of standard Cowboys talk for us. Uh, Taysom Hill with four interceptions, Cowboys defense. Really, I mean, just a the Cowboys defense had to be salivating knowing they're going to because they're such ball hawks. Yeah. Anytime that Hill had to pass, like that was just going to be trouble. And kind of like Mike Glennon, Hill had to pass forty-one times 
That's not what Sean Payton wants to do, but it's what he had to do. Uh, Diggs got his ninth interception of the year, which is just crazy. So kudos to him. How much of that has come in the past couple weeks, though? I feel like he not got a lot. Like, he had like five, five or six, or six pretty to start early. the year, right? Yeah, but still, I mean, you know, even yeah, if I don't like, want to take anything away, I'm right. just saying I feel like in our analysis of the the Cowboys for the past couple of weeks, he's been quiet. Yeah, yeah, he definitely has been quiet. I think it's just one of those, also one of those weird things where it's like the difference between your seventh and ninth interception and like notableness is not that high. Whereas yeah. like. Nobody, I don't remember the last time a giant had three interceptions on the year. It might have been Landon Collins in like 2016. Like it was a long time ago, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like in some ways it's like, yeah, like he got one this week. You know, that's fine. But like meanwhile, the Giants are like, oh my God, save your McKinney, like first career interception. It's crazy. <laughs> so that's another, I don't think Dak is right. I think that's really holding them back still. Yeah. I just don't think his his ankle is 100%. Um, he's not, he's not running like at all. And he's just, he's not as good as he should be. And I don't think it's a, a supporting cast thing. I think he just, I don't think he's getting, you know, push off the leg or whatever. Um, so th- I, th- I think that's really big. If Dak like can't, if Dak isn't getting better every week, which mm-hmm. is something only Dak and probably the Cowboys staff knows, like they're not going anywhere. You know, yeah. he needs to be rounding his way back into form. The final thought that I had was uh, Zeke, 13 carries for 45 yards, so about three and a half yards a carry. Tony Pollard, seven carries, 70 yards. Uh, just a, a stark difference here, and including for Pollard, a 58-yarder. Yeah. Um, he, he always seems to get one he, of those. Yeah, he, right. He's not, he's not like ripping off like five-yard gains every time. And I get why that's probably why that plus Zeke's name, brand, and yep. salary and draft position are why Pollard hasn't usurped that starting spot yet. But at the same time, like Zeke, I don't think Zeke has that kind of top end. I yeah. would love to look. Zeke I should have looked is up the best his longest in the run of the year. Right, right, right. Just go full <laughs> I go full I form formation, <laughs> and uh, you know let Pollard let Tony do his thing. Yeah, yeah. Tony, look, Zeke can be like Larry Zonka, and Pollard can be Mercury Morris, and I think that's a good, you know. I'm telling they you, should man, be, that uh, that double, that double option, the Cowboys ran to ice the game earlier in the year, where like Dak <laughs> tossed it to Zeke, who then tossed it to Pollard. Right. That is that how, should be the base that formation. Should be the base <laughs> that should just be the offensive philosophy right. for the Cowboys. Yeah, Dak first, so, then Zeke, <laughs> then Pollard. <laughs> so Zeke only has he has a forty-seven yard rush this year, but he just hasn't gotten, uh, you know, that's his longest run in in literal years. Whereas when he was a rookie, you had like, you know, um, sixty yard runs, stuff like that. Yeah. I think he just clearly just doesn't have that burst anymore, and I think it's gonna hold them back. I really. If they try to feed Zeke 15 times in a playoff game and Zeke's getting three and a half yards and there's no chance of just like breaking one, then I I, I do think memes aside, you gotta start really gearing up Pollard because he's he should be the guy. Yeah, and also I, I don't know, from what I've seen of Pollard this year, I would I would argue that I, I do think he's capable of being like your 
uh, four or five yard here and there type running back as well, specifically behind this offensive line. I just think this offensive line is good enough to just like with the Eagles, like if Jordan Howard can consistently chew a defense for four to five yards behind the Eagles offensive line, I think Pollard yeah. would do the same thing. And I think that he probably provides more value for the Cowboys doing that and having the, the, uh, the home run potential. Yeah. Um, and, and, and also the sample size at this point, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. It's out of control now. Seek's averaging 4.4 yards per carry this year. Pollard's averaging 5.6. Yep. Like, we have enough numbers to make clear, like, even even if Pollard is less likely to, like, just grind you for two to three yards, the the math averages out to clearly favor Pollard. And Pollard has never had less yards per carry than Seek. Yeah. Literally every – his three years in the league, he's put up better numbers. So, like – you just got to make the change. It's. I think. I think the Cowboys would be shocked at how dynamic this offense looks if they put the ball in Tony Pollard's hands fifteen times a game, rather yep. than Zeke. Anyway, that's our typical soapbox. You know, we're hitting all all the Cowboys <laughs> points today. But. Speaking of the Washington soapbox, the dutiful offense is back as well, baby. Look at this: fifteen <laughs> points, getting the win. Uh, and also, like we've been saying for the past two weeks, like history's repeating itself. They're finally turning it on yeah. halfway through the year. Four straight wins. We're looking prophetic all of a sudden, <laughs> really, after being as out on this team. And I know we already said this, but we just we just made a mistake of thinking that the Dan Snyder nonsense would like spiral. Yeah. When instead it just like made them stronger. Yeah, exactly. You know? Which I think is a testament to Ron Rivera, first of all, and what's also their, a testament to whatever. Record, what's their record since Mahomes' brother did a TikTok on Sean Taylor? What week was that? Do we? Oh, well, they had to play the Chiefs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> They're six and two. They're six and two since then. Yeah. With four straight, so they went two and two, and then ripped off four straight. Uh. No, I'm sorry. They're four. They're four and two. They're four and two. Okay. That's my fault. Okay. Yeah. So they're zero and two. They only, they only have six wins on the whole year, so that was a little. Uh, <laughs> All right, but still, I can see that as a as a momentum shift, a turning point. Um, yeah. What was uh that the last loss was when Fitzpatrick was ruled out for the year? Starter Heineke has been four and zero. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yes, that that might actually be true. That might be true. Starter Heineke. He was. It's like he was like a Dragon Ball Z character wearing like the weighted, like uh, training bands. Yeah, that as soon as as soon as went once out, he got the starter yeah. label, yeah, it's, it's the real deal. I don't know. I'm I'm unironically buying Washington right now. I think that. Yeah. I think that they have more of a identity and consistent like I know what I'm getting out of this team week in week out I'm gonna get a defense that probably holds just like last year a defense that probably holds the opposing team below 20 points and an offense that is shockingly good at scoring around 20 points (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's dude it's this is last year's team like to a team and the only difference is that this year they have another week to round into form. 
Yeah. You know, that's like, that's it. Like they were getting better and better every week last year. And now it's just, okay, yeah, we'll do the same thing. Uh, and you're giving us more time to figure it out. And you're setting up all these divisional games backloaded at the end of the year for them to just roll through. You have yeah. to feel great if you're, if you're a watch, you have to feel as good as you felt probably since the RG three year. I, I really think like now is an emotional high for this team. Yeah. And I'll just go right into it if you don't have anything else to say about this game. Yeah. I think Washington beats Dallas this week. I do think yeah. overall <laughs> they split with Dallas. I think that they probably lose a revenge game in a couple of weeks going down to Dallas with Dallas probably being more in a kitchen sink scenario than they are this week. But I, I, I really don't think Dallas is going to be ready, like truly ready for what Washington is right now. And typical Cowboys heuristic, I think that it's more likely Washington gets a few stops in the first quarter and the offense goes up 7-10-0, 10-3, something like that to end the first quarter. And it like just forces the Cowboys to lean back into that pass-first tendency and put a little bit too much on Dak. And I don't think they'll be able to catch up, basically. I think it looks something like 20... 20 to 13, 20 to 17, Washington. Okay. I like it. Um, I will say, I think Logan Thomas for Washington's going to be out after playing the last two games and being like a big asset to their offense. Not like their offense. It kind of doesn't matter what their offense does in a lot of ways. Um, this is a really tough one for me because I want to ride the hot hand, but at what point is the hot hand like too hot? You know, at what point do you just have an emotional, you know, uh, come down game? I feel like, I feel like for me, like the Cowboys vibes are just too strong. Like this rivalry has been one where Washington has gotten it's true a few times. Yeah, I would feel a lot more confident actually if it was an actual repeat of last year. And Washington was coming in on the back of four games down to Dallas. Right. And playing like spoiler to like a, like a favorite Cowboys team. Um, Some of the vibes pushed me in another direction. Thinking the Cowboys might win is I feel like because the Washington is hot hand and they're at home. What's the line right now in Vegas? I don't know. Is it a, Like, are they picking Washington to win right now, essentially, because they're at home and they're, they're on the back of straight? Are they giving Cowboys the uh, better record advantage? Right I now? don't I don't see a line yet, but my guess would be it's it's probably even. So the, the minus the three point home advantage is probably wiped would be my guess. But I don't actually know. Cowboys open as four and a half point road favorites. Over really? Yeah. Wow. That feels like a lot. Yeah, I don't know. This feels like a. This feels like a Washington. Yeah, that that win. really strengthens. Yeah, I don't I don't like that at all. I feel like are people not watching the Cowboys? They don't look good right now. Until the Cowboys prove to me that they can actually score on a really good defense, I'm not. I'm going to hold off. Uh, yeah, I I mean, I'll believe in the right. Cowboys. If they if they go into Washington, which I think is a very good defense, and they look like the Cowboys offense from like week three or four this year, 
and hang like 30 or yeah. 40 on them. I'm now a Cowboys believer. I don't think that will happen though. I don't think yeah. based on how they've been for the past three to four weeks, you can confidently say that'll happen. Yeah, I agree. All right. We're going to go Washington. Uh, Let's go. I'm taking this real low. I'm going to go 13 to 10. This is going to be, 10. this whole game is going to be fought between the 40 yard lines. Nobody's going to go anywhere. <laughs> I love it. So we're, uh, we're aligned this week. The only two games we picked, right? Chargers yep. and Washington. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, I'm, I feel good about both of those. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, takes. You got one? I don't really, I think I just want to ladder it up to like the Patriots game and how fun the Patriots game was. Yeah. Cause it was a great time. It just felt like Bill Belichick doing his thing and it was fun. This is what I I hoped the Patriots would be last year. Right. Remember my my take about like Belichick being better than Brady and just wanting that to be. I mean, I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that take. Last year it was like uh, Belichick kind of languished with Cam Newton and Brady won the ring. But I feel like it's it's finally coming true. It was not good for. Yes, exactly. But last year, I mean, not to get, I just, I just feel so strongly about this that Belichick is like the brilliant, you know, mastermind, and that Brady has played on loaded teams. I mean, Brady's great, but he's played on loaded teams because he takes way less money to do it. Um, yeah. But last year, the Patriots also had the most players opt out because yeah. of COVID, if I recall. Like it was literally like eleven guys or something. I mean, talk about the Giants missing. A lot of starter games like there goes like a hundred starter games right there you know just off the bat um but i think you can just see what bill when he's given even a semblance of legitimate talent to work with what he's able to put together so much fun uh i just loved his unique one kind of did what what i just don't see coaches do a lot which is just like be like we have like literally one game plan and we're just gonna do it and like we'll figure it out you know, um, there's just a really fun game and I wish that there were more games played in crazy weather. I think I already said that dome should be illegal, which I completely stand by. So I can't double down on that one, but I just want to shout out, um, shout out the, the greatest coach of all time for, uh, another classic. I will say Belichick is in his bag right now. Like it's so like as a football fan, it's actually legitimately fun to watch. Like it I is. enjoy watching Belichick take like I'll say it, like a pretty ragtag group like he's always done without any like demonstrative superstars and make them like yeah. a very fun winning team. Right. It's so I mean it's so much fun. It's just it's just him doing what he does, uh scrap like just a super scrappy like cohesive roster and he's he's got them buying in it's it's very cool it's good i think it's good for football to have it's not good for football to have the patriots be good necessarily um but it's it's i think it's just it's good as a football fan to just watch somebody who's still like on the top of his game yep uh I guess similarly, I won't do a take, but I'll just do a shout out about how right I am. Uh, 
<laughs> Troy Aikman, the Bill Belichick of Troy takes Aikman calling here. Out, uh, calling out the Rams saying that uh, he's never seen a super team work in the NFL. And I just want yeah. to remind everyone, Sean McVay is the Chip Kelly of the modern NFL. There we go. We're back. I swear <laughs> to God. I swear to God there was a week where you were like, I love Sean McVay. Maybe it was a false memory. I feel like it happened. <laughs> it's going to but, happen. This Rams team is going to crash and burn without a ring, and they're going to have to deconstruct the entire roster starting next year. I wouldn't be surprised if Sean McVay goes four and what would it be? 13 next year? Wow. Wow, that's that's Giants tier bad, but I like it. I mean, they did just annihilate the Jags by a lot. All right, here here's my but, take. Here's my take I just came up with. Uh, yeah. Um, as much as I enjoyed seeing Dan Campbell, and I just like Dan Campbell a lot, I, as much as I enjoyed seeing him get a win, mm-hmm. can we not glorify one-win teams? I, I agree completely. <laughs> it's it's sad. Like I don't I, like, I don't know. Like it's, it's so patronizing. It was a bit like <laughs> it was don't, a bit like Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. It was a bit like the uh the ESPN like make a wish kid packages. Yeah, seeing the locker room footage of the Lions celebrate their one win of the year. Like, yeah, it's really like a heartwarming thing, but it's really yep. sad. <laughs> and like, right. <laughs> right. And like, I don't want to see it. I just don't want to see it. If you get one yeah. win, just do it in silence and then be better next year. So to, to, to circle back to my take, what would Belichick do if he got one win after like 11 losses? He wouldn't want, there'd be no cameras in that locker no. room. No, there would not be. <laughs> There'd be absolutely no coverage whatsoever of that moment. That's that's the mentality that you should. He have, would do for it in sure. silence. Right. He would just shake the other coach's hand and walk off, like you know, as if you were thirteen and one. You know. Yeah. Yeah. What, I, mean, I agree. What are, we do- are we are we celebrating each of the Giants' four wins, three wins? Are we doing that? I try my best not to. <laughs> I literally, my whole my whole approach to the Giants is like, in order to compartmentalize and not have the losses stick with me. I give myself like 90 minutes after the game to like feel the emotion of it. And then it's just got to go away. You know, take, take it for what it was. It was a, it was a part of your Sunday. That's it. It doesn't, doesn't mean anything. The big picture. Like they showed a locker room video of like Dan Campbell close to tears, getting his first yeah. NFL win. I get and that I'm, he has like a ton of stress on him, but let's, let's not show stuff like that. I, yeah. I don't, this it just makes a, them look like a clown show in like a really awkward way. Like I'm just, I'm just saying, it's not as heartwarming as anyone thinks right. it is. And it's it not like they went through any real adversity yeah. besides being <laughs> bad. <laughs> right. It was entirely self-inflicted adversity. <laughs> right. We that, finally. That, I think that's the weird. That's we like the uncanny valley. Beat ourselves, thing. you know. Right. <laughs> It's not like it's not like there was like a tragic like death on the team yeah. or something. Like it's literally just like no, they're bad, and then they won one. <laughs> it's not. It's not a good enough. It's not a compelling enough background story. That's my take. I I really like it. I I felt very similarly this week watching <laughs> any with the Dan Campbell stuff specifically. Something yeah. about any like video with him in it felt weird. 
Um, I like it. I do think Sean McVay would be a great college football coach. I think that's just his speed. And Temple football's hiring, Sean. Come yeah. to Philly, brother. Yeah. They'll definitely not the ever real, yell at The you real for take anything. here is Sean McVay takes Chip Kelly's job at UCLA. That is <laughs> that's that is that would be great. I would and then Chip Kelly comes back to Philly to coach Temple. <laughs> Temple. <laughs> that would be so much fun, man. I actually would really enjoy Chip fun? Kelly back in Philly coaching Temple. I know that would be, that would be, that would be awesome. Be so fun. <laughs> That would that would be such a good time. Oh man! Why can't these people just act like pawns and do what I would like them to do to entertain me? Because like that would be that would be the anti like Philly mental health like right. whatever thing right? Because no one really cares that deeply about Temple. He could just kind of like do his thing and be good or bad and yeah, just be and if him. he were good, if he were good. He would get praise. Yes. And he could like he like Chip Kelly has lost his swag because yeah. of his time in Philadelphia. Yep. The only way, Chip Kelly, to regain your swag is to return and make it right. And yep. Temple football is the only legitimate outlet to do that. Because if you do anything else, you will get screamed at by people. But Temple yep. football is chill. Yep. No, all right, we've, we got that. We always we always find our way to these takes <laughs> after a little bit. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Discord, Twitter. Find us. Uh, until next week, buddy. All right. Take it easy, pal.